I remember it like it was yesterday, although it was about almost 30 years ago. I was uh, about 18 or 19, and I was in a Christian youth meeting. I've been a Christian maybe about a year, not much more than that. And um, we're having a prayer time, and then suddenly someone said, the Holy Spirit's told me that there's someone in this room who's got a fear of disease. And straight away I knew, I just knew my heart was racing that, that the Holy Spirit was um, speaking to that person about me. I'd, I'd lost a friend uh, to cancer about a year before that. And um, throughout the whole experience, a real deep fear had got a hold of me. And I, I, was, I was living in the fear of it. I, would, I was checking for lumps and things all the time and, and, and paranoid about the slightest thing. And, um, you know, in that moment, I, I received prayer over that fear. And, you know, the Lord set me free. Genuinely, um, I, I was am- I was amazed mm. when you live with something like that. It's really it fills the horizon, mm. and then it was just broken in, in that evening. And um, I think I probably have now just kind of you know a, a natural kind of concern for my health that anyone does. But that that thing was totally broken in that moment through prayer in the name of Jesus. And um, that's the thing we want to talk to you about today. This whole area of um, the fear of disease. Davina will share her story um, in a few moments on that. When we think about the fear of disease, what is it that we're really talking about? It could be that we're thinking about this fear of pain. It could be that for some of us that are struggling in this area, it's just a real fear of pain, physical pain. It could be it's it's the fear of of a life that seems to be shrinking, uh, a limited life, a life where you think, you know, is is it worth living? When things close in and, 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 and you're limited by your own uh, poor physical health, is it maybe it's a fear of hospitals. Sometimes for some people, even the smell of a hospital can evoke all kinds of strong feelings. The fear of injections and needles and things like that. Or maybe it's the fear of fuss. You say, I don't want anyone fussing <laughs> over me. The thought of everyone having to you know, work extra hard because of me and you know, write cards and bring, visit me here and there. Ah. Oh could do without that maybe it's the fear of dependence financial dependence or relational dependence depending on someone else to look after you or you know what maybe maybe you can't pinpoint it and it's it's just it's a it's like an irrational fear and sometimes fear is incredibly irrational it doesn't make it any less real but it but it can be but you, you don't know where to where to put it but it's some kind of fear around disease and it grips you and plays on your mind and really has got a deep hold in you. Well, we're going to read a story from the book of Isaiah uh, today, Isaiah chapter 38, uh, about a king called Hezekiah. He was the king of the southern kingdom by this point. Um, Israel was divided into two central nations, the north, ten tribes, the south, two tribes, and um, King Hezekiah, he's aged 39 at this point, and he's the king, and his throne is in Jerusalem. So he's the king of Jerusalem, the king of the southern tribes, of Israel that was known at that point as Judah. It's called it's the king of Judah, Hezekiah. Let's read Isaiah chapter 38. We're going to read the first eight verses together. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I've walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, 
I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz. Turn back 10 steps. So the sun turned back on the dial, the 10 steps by which it had declined. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And uh, I pray now that as we explore this story and unpack it, that even though we're not together physically, that you would be at work in our spirits, in our Mm. hearts, in our minds. Mm. You would bring freedom where it's needed, Lord. Thank you that the the truth sets us free when we know it deeply. And we pray that the truth would go to work in an extraordinary way today and bring freedom to our lives more and more. The freedom that's promised us through the truth. And we thank you that Jesus, you are the truth. And we honour you, Lord. Mm. Amen. Mm. I called this sermon Facing the Wall because as I was reading the story, I was struck by this really vivid imagery that, that, that Hezekiah, we are told that he turns and he faces the wall. So Isaiah's there, the prophet, and he's delivered this. I mean, it's not, not the diagnosis in the sense we, he was already ill, but he delivers this terminal, this terminal news that this is going to end. And we're told that Hezekiah turns and faces the wall. And I just found it was such a vivid thing. And um, as I thought about it, there were three things that came to mind. First, there was this sense of, of escapism. Isaiah's speaking to him as he's lying in bed. And he turns the other way. That sense in which I don't want to know about this. I don't want to hear about this. Just leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone with this news. This is not what I want to be engaging with. This is not what I want to hear about. It's a sense of escape, just turning in the opposite direction. The, um, the equivalent of burying your head in the sand, but when you're immobilised in bed. The second idea is, is that as he turns and faces the wall, it's a little bit like, that is your future now, Hezekiah. You see, we are people of hope. We, 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 what energises us a lot of the time is our thoughts of the future, either what we're going to do that day or what we're going to do that week or something that we're hoping will happen this year or, or, or decades down the line. We are fueled by hope. And actually, one of the things that keeps us going during really tough times is, is a sense of there being a brighter future ahead, a horizon, so that, 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 that our life ahead that it that it spans out that there's a that there's a, a lot ahead of us that's incredibly encouraging mm-hmm. that this moment as he turns over the wall is like there you know it's a little bit like that is it now you've only got a little you've only got a little while left this is really your life all of your horizons come right in and it's a sense of enormous limitation and uh, there's not there's not much to look forward to anymore and and the third element is this idea of seeking god jesus Tells us, doesn't he? When you pray, go into your room, lock the door, and just create that small space, that secret place where you can seek God. And that's exactly what he does. What, what he does, he he turns around, and maybe he's trying to escape the news. And, and we know for sure that he's he's enormously upset about what he's just heard, but he prays. Hmm. He takes it to God. He doesn't throw his spiritual toys out of the pram. <laughs> He prays, he, he draws near in his heart and he, it's not a long prayer, but it's a heartfelt prayer. And it's a prayer that also that's, that's fueled by immense sadness. There are tears also that are there. And then we have this extraordinary moment where the heart of God is so moved with compassion. He says, I've heard your prayer, I've seen your tears. 
And there's this wonderful healing that takes place. And he, he gets a reprieve. It's not a formula. I don't know what he was expecting. I don't, we don't know what he thought in his heart, whether it was a, one of those prayers you just you throw out, you know, and you just think, well, you know, if God answers this, it'd be amazing. Or whether he had a sense of real faith that God was, we don't know. But we know that he reached out to God and God's heart was so moved that this reprieve comes. And he's healed. Now, I'm going to pause there. We're going to carry on with the sermon in a moment. But Davina's going to share her own story of, uh, of diagnosis and what she walked through and what we, I guess we walked through together, but what she particularly in her own body walked through. And I hand over to you. Okay. Um, firstly, I'm, I'm just amazed uh, by the relevancy of this preaching series. Um, it, it's like God wants to get right at the heart of who we all are and tackle all of our trust issues always asking how are you going to trust me in every area of our lives and I want to share my story of how God got to the core of who I was 10 years ago and and he got me to ask you know am I going to trust am I going to trust God am I going to follow and serve and love him and he's just always doing that he's perpetually asking that question mm. so um january t- uh, 2010 it's the first uh, sunday of the new year and uh steph's preaching and it, he um refers to new year's resolutions and how you know we want to change can we make that change we sometimes you know can make it past the first week and then <laughs> that's about it uh, we, we just basically can't rely upon ourselves because we can't see the future. Uh, we can't even see part, you know, around the corner. Um, <clears throat> so we, we've got to trust in God. And um, I remember the preach. It was a good preach. I sat there and thought, yeah, well done. I don't need to respond to anything. I've got this. I understand. Um, it was the next morning. <clears throat> the next morning and um, had a shower and I noticed um, a lump in my left breast and the bomb went off in my head. Um, it was malignant and it was aggressive. Um, my personality is that I like a plan. I like details. I love a tick list. I love to know what's going on. Um, I like a contingency plan. I like everything just sewn up. And... Um, with with this news my brain went into overdrive and I just went into panic mode the only way I can describe it it, it's like those really old-fashioned filing cabinets all metal uh, lots of them all banging and crashing and clanging and the drawers just opening at just various times all really chaotic and each time the drawer opens all the files and all the papers in the files would just come flying out and flapping about and uh, it, was just, it was just complete chaos in my mind and um, on all of these files were all these crazy questions uh, just hitting me and um and I was ne- never able to uh, like process the question of, of, you know, am I going to die? Um, is it going to be a sudden death? Um, is it going to be long and drawn out and protracted? What's going to happen to the children? Who is going to be their mummy? Because uh, they were very young at the time. Uh, who is going to look after Steph? Um, I, I want him to get remarried. Who's he going to marry? 
um, the, the church at that point was in its infancy. Who's going to look after the church and Steph? And all, all these questions are just flying around all day, every day. And, um, and I just couldn't get a handle on them. Um, and I knew that in, in order to function, um, in, in order to ask for um, prayer for healing, um, I, I just needed peace. I needed real, genuine peace from God. Um, and that um, I needed him to just stop the noise, stop the traffic, um, just quieten everything down. Well, um, it's twice now I've, I've asked God, and we've got this code, and it's um, a, a white space, a white room. And that's where um, I just want uninterrupted one-to-one time with God and, um, and, and no sense of anything encroaching on that time. Um, well, Steph um, managed to get uh, you know the kids out out the house. I could just have that space and that time um, with God, and and I just remember um, how incredibly frightened I was at that point. Probably more frightened than um, than when I had the diagnosis, um, because this is where I was going to ask God if He was real or not, and if He was real, He could give me genuine peace in all this anxiety, in all this turmoil and confusion and panic. And um, I, 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 I had to um, ask the question, can God, yeah, he can give me uh, peace for uh, the life to come, but how about here and now? Can he do it? And I was just so afraid to ask because I thought if he didn't answer, if he didn't give me that peace, then who was I following? Um, so uh, um, I, I remember sitting in, in my bedroom and um, I, I was crying. I, I didn't know what to say to God. I didn't know what to ask. I didn't know what to do. And uh, in that moment, I remember God um, just very gently, a very gentle voice saying, what would you like to do? And uh, and I just said, I'd just like to sing to you. And um, so I did. I, I just sang, you know, I just reverted back to the old 70s classics. And I think it was the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And uh, my voice was very frail and thin and pathetic. And um, in that moment, the headstorm stopped. In that moment, the anxiety, the crazy filing cabinets, all of the questions, they all vanished. I was given supernatural peace, genuine peace. So I knew then that um, whether I got healed miraculously or whether um, it was medically, um, whether I died suddenly or whether it was going to be a long, drawn-out suffering process, God will keep us. He would protect us. He would love us. He would provide for us. I knew that deep within me. So it was from that place of peace, that place of just trusting God, um, that we could go and ask some friends for um, some prayer for healing. And and after that, um, I I said to Steph, I haven't been healed. I know it. And, um, and, And I felt God say to me, you're going to walk the whole rocky road. Um, so that you can uh, receive comfort 
from him uh, and be able to share that comfort with others. Um, so I went through the, the um, multiple operations and the chemo and the recovery. And um, hopefully this is going to bring comfort to, to many. Um, I just want to fast forward now to um, a few weeks ago, just before the lockdown, one of my colleagues asked me, how do you live with the whole uh, washing your hands and social distancing and believing in God? And I thought it was a brilliant question because it, it reminded me and showed her who and what am I trusting in? What's, what's my ultimate um, trust in? You know, hand washing, wearing masks, social distancing, gloves. They're all sensible, um, you know, for reducing the, the chance of infection. But I'm not trusting in those um, to get me to heaven. Um, um, God knows when I'll die and how I'll die, uh, whether it's from this virus or from cancer or old age or being knocked down by a bus. Um, all the social distancing measures uh, are not going to guarantee my safe passage to eternity with him. Um, they're not going to give me uh, the resurrection body. Um, I, I'm not going to be raised incorruptible, full of glory and power um, through hand washing. Um, when, when I receive all the NHS letters that come through the door, because I have so many different checkups and uh, hospital appointments, um, I have to choose not to lose my peace and trust in, in Christ and what he's won for me. Um, yesterday we went shopping with Melody to get some um, a rabbit equipment and, um, and I noticed there was this woman who was coughing and she wasn't coughing into, into the corner of her arm and it sounded like a dry tickly cough to me. And I thought, no, I'm not going to panic. I'm, I'm going to keep trusting that, you know, God's, God's got this. And, and when the pizza delivery came, um, I didn't wipe down all the boxes because I didn't want to just ruin the birthday vibe. I just thought, no, let's, you know, in, enjoy what God's got for us. Um, I will not lose my peace and I, and I will trust in Christ that when I die, it will be like a falling asleep. Mm. Um, I will be with him forever. Um, every tear will be wiped. There'll be no more death no more mourning, no more crying and no more pain. And I will hear God say, see, I am making all things new. That's my story. Brilliant. Oh. Well done. Well done. That's great. Oh. <laughs> so, we'll try to go back now to uh, Judah, <laughs> thousands of years ago. I'm sure you all... Uh, been really moved by that story there, the Venus testimony, um, God's faithfulness to, to her, to us. Mm. Um, but let's think about Hezekiah again for a moment, then we'll pull it all together. He was a good king. He was a good king. His, his, his father wasn't a good king. His son wasn't a good king. He was a good king. And he wasn't a perfect king by any means. He's actually quite a short-sighted man in some ways. If you read his song, even after he got healed, you could sense there's a bit of a lack of assurance about what, what would have happened to him if he died. It wasn't Revelation of that wasn't very clear. Um, later on, some envoys come from Babylon and he, sh he shows them all of the wealth of his palace and, 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 and God's house. 
And then Isaiah comes to him again and says, what did you show them? He says, I showed them everything. And Isaiah said, okay, well, there's a day coming once after, you, after you've, you've been buried. There's a day coming where it's all going to be plundered. It's all going to be gone. And we're told that Hezekiah said to himself, okay, oh, well, at least it won't happen in my day. You know, he's quite a short-sighted man in some ways. He's, uh, we have this 39-year-old flawed king in Jerusalem. I want to tell you about a 33-year-old king in Jerusalem, who had to face the war. In the prime of his life, he was cut off from the land of the living, the Bible says. He knew, he predicted it, he saw it coming. He faced the war. He could have escaped, he could have run away. He willingly laid down his life. It wasn't something that was imposed upon him. We're told that he willingly laid down his life. He, um, he, Instead, uh, unlike Hezekiah, who um, really went in on himself, Jesus didn't do that. He felt the pain of it. He felt the reality, this king of Jerusalem, Jesus. He felt the reality of what he was facing. He cried out to God like Hezekiah did. If there's another way, let it be, but not my will. Yours be done. And for Jesus, you know, there was no reprieve. There was no letting off the hook because he came to die. That's what he came to do. And I don't want us to kind of over-spiritualise this, if you ever could, but Jesus was a fully man. He experienced the reality of all the pain and suddenly life closing in, facing the wall. One of his relationships, his closest friends scattering, suddenly facing darkness unlike anything we will ever know. But you know, the reality is this, is that it wasn't because of a disease. But we're told that he took on our diseases. Mm. We're told that he took on, willingly, our afflictions. Yeah. At the cross, he took on our infirmity, mm. meaning that either in this life or in the life to come, all those who are in Christ will be healed. Mm. There's 100% guarantee. That's right. And you know, this king, he, he, he didn't have any kind of a, a uncertainty about what, what lied beyond the grave. He frequently spoke about his resurrection, even before he was crucified. He spoke. He said to the religious leaders of the day, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. They said, how can you do that? This temple took 46 years to build, but he wasn't talking about the temple. He was talking about the temple of his own body. And Jesus rose from the dead. So that whatever length our life lasts in this age, that we can know without a shadow of a doubt, that in him we will be re- resurrected to eternal glory. You see, outside of Christ, the best you can really do is what I would call like a, a bucket list life, you know. Um, there's all For all of us, there's things we want to do in this life. There's nothing wrong with having things you want to do. But really, if you don't know that sure and certain hope beyond the grave, really, that's really all you've got. Just trying to do the best things you possibly can in this life. The Bible describes it in this way. It's the, it's the life that is... Um, summed up in this phrase, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. It basically means let's just get all the pleasure that we can possibly now as soon as we can because who knows when we're going to die. We may not be around tomorrow and then that's it. You know, for the believer, for the one who's put their hope in this king of Jerusalem and this one who willingly laid down his life, we have so much more than that. How did Jesus do it? Sometimes you think, Jesus, how did you do that? We're told for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He he knew there was something beyond the cross, beyond the grave, beyond death, that would bring him more joy 
than what he experienced in this life. And he knew how to enjoy life. We're told that he was filled with the oil of gladness above his companions. He knew how to party. He knew how to do good. He, 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 even he, people questioned him, why aren't you fasting? Why, why are you constantly feasting? You know, he had a reputation of being a glutton and a drunkard. Not that he was, but because he was at parties and he was bringing that fullness of life, that mm. kingdom life, wherever he went. He knew about joy. Mm. And yet for the joy set before him, the other side of the cross, he was willing to endure the cross and despise the shame. And you know, when you are in Christ and his spirit lives in you, when you put your trust in him and his spirit lives in you, there is then the ability to see beyond the here and now. Mm. To see beyond this age, this life, with all of its joys that we enjoy so, so much. I want to end with the scripture that Davina referred to in Revelation 21. Mm. I'm going to read just the first five and a half verses. Do you want to read it? So I'm just going to read down. Put me on the spot, so I have to. I'm oh, sorry. You asked me not to. <laughs> ask me not to spring anything on you. Uh, I'm just gonna, no surprises. Oh, so right, sorry. Revelation 21 verses 1 to 5, and this is not even my my Bible. So here, here we are. Right. Okay. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Wow. And so we just want to finish the message today really by speaking firstly to those of you who have never yet crossed the line of faith and become willing and happy disciples of Jesus. You never put your trust in him for your own life, for your own heart. You never turned away from uh, putting other things first and, and turned to Jesus and made him the king and the Lord of your life. You just want to say, come to Christ. We're not talking about a dreary life this side, this side of the grave or anything of the sort, but we are absolutely talking about a sure and certain hope for eternal life mm. with Christ. It's as sure as the fact that he was raised from the dead. He's the first fruit. And so all who are in him will follow a real life, much realer than this one in a sense, not a kind of a strange, ethereal existence, new heavens, new earth a brand new body that, that won't ever be corrupted. Be reconciled to God in Christ and all of this will be your inheritance as a free gift. And also just to speak to our dear brothers and sisters who do know the Lord Jesus, I want to just say to you guys, let's keep investing in eternal things where where the thieves don't break in and steal, where, there's, where things don't rust, spoil and fade, where they don't get moth-eaten, there is an, an, an eternal inheritance for us, genuinely. And as we invest in the things of God mm. and the things of the kingdom, 
and the things that will last forever. There is a reward for that. There is a return for that. It's a wise investment. It's not like we shouldn't invest. Jesus says invest wisely. Invest in that place and in those things that will last forever. And you know, as you do that, what you will find is, you will just find, the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. As you invest there, your heart will be there more and more. And that won't mean that you'll lose interest in this life, but it means you won't be weighed down by the worries of this life. It means that you will experience difficulties like everybody does, but their eternal hope will bring a lightness and a spring to your step where you will know that, that what we just read about is yours in Christ and to look forward to. So bless you. It's been great to be with you and to share God's word with you. We love you mm. and um, we look forward uh, next week to starting our new series on uh, uh, covenant life in the Holy Spirit working through the book of Acts for a couple of months where we'll just look at spirit-filled life. Really looking forward to doing that. It's been lovely to share God's word with you today. We love you. We miss you. We look forward to being with you physically soon.